You're listening to Darling Shine, a podcast by Chloe Fisher and myself, Elodie Pullen. Join us as we blindly navigate and unpack the raw and often unspoken experiences of womanhood, grief, friendship, and everything in between. Encompassing all emotions, ugly and beautiful, we've made a promise for ourselves to find our shine and build a life of triumph and joy. Darling Shine is your survival kit to the unexpected shit life throws at you. Welcome back. <laughs> with a New Zealand accent. I don't know what that was. I had such a fun time recording with the guest we're having on today. Wow. It was, it, it's, a, it's a good one. So hold on to your knickers, girls. Nah, chuck them, chuck them out. You don't need your knickers for this one. It's oh, off yeah. the chain. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so today's guest on Darling Shine, we have the beautiful Chantelle Otten. As you know, here at Darling Shine, we are all about using our voice to help and educate others on topics many may be too scared to talk about. So getting Chantel on the podcast seemed like an absolute no-brainer for us. She's a Melbourne-based psychosexologist who is passionate about empowering people to feel great about their sexual health, self-esteem, communication, and education. Having spent, li- having spent time living, studying, and working in Holland, Chantel grew up with the European mindset that talking about sex, pleasure, and relationships does not have to be shameful or taboo. I honestly love that in Europe, when I'm in Ibiza each year, it's so beautiful to see so many naked bodies on the beach, both women and men, and they have no shame at all about what they look like naked. Mm. A beautiful example of loving the skin they're in, even though I love my body, I for sure, you won't catch me naked down the beach though. I'll get my top off. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't do that usually there. There's so many people, but anyway, Mm. that's what it's all about, Mm. I guess. Um, a natural-born communicator, she enjoys creating a setting where her clients feel more relaxed and free to talk about their sexual health in a safe, judgment-free environment. With numerous awards, accolades, and published medical journal articles, Chantelle is not only an internationally acclaimed psychosexologist, but also a caring and empowering sex educator. With a background in scientific research, sexual medicine, and counselling, she believes that sexuality and self-esteem are an integral part of life, which everyone is entitled to. Good sexual health should always be enjoyable, pain-free, and without prejudice. So without further ado, let's welcome in Chantelle. She's got a sexy voice, so yeah, hold on to your knickers. Well, firstly, welcome Chantelle. We are so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's going to be a good chat. It's going to be so interesting. I can't wait to learn. Um, So to start things off, we'd love to hear about your teen years and a bit of your journey into becoming the internationally acclaimed psychosexologist. That word sounds pretty psycho. Can you just explain that to us first? Absolute psychosexologist. I'm just a lunatic sexologist. That's it. Um, No, it's like means that I'm a, I would deal with the biggest sexual organ, which is the brain so oh. psychological sexologist if we that like, makes what? sense oh, we're yeah. so nice. you can be like <laughs> a medico sexologist you can be a scientific sexologist right. you can be bulb, you know moment. in so many different domains but wow. we specialize in psychology so yeah. that makes sense yeah that's amazing that makes complete <laughs> sense like I was just yeah, of yeah. course, it's the brain. I think I should just cut out the word psycho and just put sexologist no. there because people get so, um, it just sounds so funny when it's like yeah. psycho, yeah. sexologist. Because Ellie was like, did you make that part up? Did you just add that in? I'm like, no, that's what it, that's her official job title. Because that's, that's yeah, better so. than the sciencey one because the sciencey one would be more mm. anatomy-based, right? Like you're- No, no. So um, I actually used to be a scientific sexologist. It just means that you 
research the way that people behave in sexual manners or, um, yeah, the way that people, uh, I guess, interact in a sexual way. So I used to do scientific research into women and the sexuality of those who had hormonal related migraines. So it's a bit boring for this podcast, Mm. but some people get migraines with their hormonal drop just before their period. And if you're whacked out for a week or, you know, uh, you're suffering for a couple of days and this is chronic, you know, that's one week of every month that you're also wow. getting impacted by I honestly, sexual concerns. I thought but a sex also can release like migraines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot. It's a, it's so like very complex. <laughs> but I can explain it to you. I'll tell you, um, I guess, how I got to, to doing this job. Um, I guess in my teenage years, what was I? Just a rat bag, basically. <laughs> Um, I grew up in a Dutch family, uh, quite a traditional one. So I had, I was like, I had to be home by like 10 PM on like in year 12 and stuff. My parents were like, you had to like very kind of strict. And I think that's because I have an older sister who's intellectually disabled. She's 11 months older than me. And then, so I was kind of technically the firstborn and that were just nervous, I guess. I'd never really like had a child that had gone out on the town and um, I had two younger brothers as well. And I just used to sneak out. So if I had to come home at 10, (laughs) I was on the, yeah, I used to live like um, on the third story of our house, like in the, it was kind of like a big converted attic. And I um, used to sneak out the window and just scale down the roof, down the upper roof, down the fence, and then someone would pick me up on their bike and uh, off I'd go to the party. I love that. I can't believe your parents were so strict and then you find yourself doing this job. Like are they just – yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Please, I think for I'm a few sure years, my dad used it. to say that I was just a psychologist for a really long time. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah, like very. Like my mum is. My mum told me to be a sexologist, so we'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, definitely, it's been a. It's been a bit of a journey. Um, I I guess like year t- eleven, year twelve, I had undiagnosed ADHD for for all of that time, so I wasn't wasn't really studious because I was so distracted. (laughs) Um, I was very inattentive, but I think naturally I am very able to pick up on things. And I I think there's like a natural intelligence there, which obviously worked out really well. Um, And I, you know, I think in year 12, I was more interested in, in boys and in sex and in, you know, experimenting than I was in actual, you know, uh, in uh, year 12. So I graduated high school um, well, and I got into psychology. Um, I went to a very strict Catholic girls' school as well, again, because my parents wanted to kind of keep me in line. Um, but I, you know, I had the record for the most days off in primary school and high school ever in the history of both schools. I just didn't like it. I wasn't very studious. So, um, yeah, I got into psychology at Australian Catholic university in Melbourne. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, I don't know how other people relate to psychology, but there were a lot of strange people as well doing psychology when I went to uni. (laughs) And so you kind of like, you know, I was probably a bit odd too, you know, like you're all kind of a a little bit different and I had a very tight uh, group of friends. Um, And, yeah, I really like, I guess I enjoyed it. Uh, and after the second year of uni, I wanted to take a little bit of time off and do what everyone does and do their like gap year and, and go traveling. And 
um, I did that. I just kind of went all around Europe with my friends and partied a lot and, you know, lost a few brain cells from drinking <laughs> and all of that kind of thing. Things that I regret now, I think, like, no I imagine way. I might have been way smarter <laughs> if I didn't do all that binge drinking. No, it shaped you and you probably met so many amazing people, talked to, you know, so many different individuals and learnt so much and, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was fun. It was really, really fun. Um, and then I guess uh, finishing psychology, I think I had like a few, I had mental health issues the last year of my like uni degree. I think everyone, well, a lot of people go through eating disorders maybe in that time because it's so stressful mm. and I had the same thing, but I overcame it and I finished uni and that was great, but I thought I'll just do something a little bit low key. I didn't know that sex therapy, sexology was a was a career back then. Uh, so I went into organizational psychology, which was totally a joke because I'm so unorganized. <laughs> but um, I faked it uh, a lot, and I worked in recruitment for like six months, and then I went into a smaller company and I built up their business. And it was during that time that my mum sent me a TED Talk by Esther Perel. I'm not sure if either of you have heard of her, but she's a famous psychotherapist. Uh, do yourselves a favor, look her up. Her TED Talks are incredible. Okay. Um, and she speaks about infidelity, one of her TED Talks, um, but I guess the nuances of it, that it's not so black and white, right? You know, there's so many things going on behind why we do things that we do, um, even if they hurt people. And then also she talks about desire, especially in long-term relationships. Uh, and she has a really great book called Mating in Captivity, which is about sex in long-term relationships and how uh, challenging it can be really. Mm. And I thought, I want to talk like that. Like I want to, I don't know who's talking about sex, who's talking about desire, who's talking about relationships like this in Australia. And especially, I guess, at the age that I was at, you know, your friends are going through different experiences and there was so much drama around like your sexual debuts or back then it was like losing your virginity and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it was so much drama around it and around dating and treating people well and treating people, you know, people treating you not well as well. So I think that I just wanted to get more uh, knowledge on it um, and be the person to talk to about that. And I also wanted to see if it was part of the healthcare system. I always wanted to work in a hospital back then. Um, I love the healthcare system. And I just kind of found that it really wasn't integrated at that point. There were a few great medical sexologists who worked at a um, public hospital in Melbourne that I met and they were really encouraging. And then a lot of sex therapists that, you know, there was a big age difference between myself and them. And I kind of thought for people my age, I want them to come to me. So um, I got into science and medicine through Sydney University. Um, and so you do science, medicine, and you specialize in sexual medicine. And I was able to also work abroad during that time or study abroad. So I could do that degree during the night um, when I'm, so I moved to Amsterdam because I have a Dutch passport oh, yeah. and I used to do that degree at night and then do my sexology degree during the day. And wow. I did an internship as well. Um, cause you know, I like going full steam ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to get it all done, you know? Um, but I had a great time. I mean, living in Amsterdam is so fun. You know, Amsterdam everyone works. Amazing. I love it. It's so, so good. I'm actually going on Sunday. <gasps> Are you? So Whoa. Good. I'm jealous. That's so cool. You're going yeah. overseas. I love it. 
Is know, Amsterdam a bit of a sex, like are there sex, heaps of sex shows there yeah. and stuff? That's so cool. It's sex positive. It's super sex positive there. Love that yeah. for you. So there's the red light district, which is, of course, where you can see people who are like quite erotic and see people who are trying to find people who are quite yeah. erotic. But yeah. there's also like degrees in sexology there. And there's a lot of sexologists um, who, you know, teach like the best courses in the world there. So I was super lucky to be able to learn from them. Um, and yeah, I just kind of like worked really hard would get home at like 11 p.m., go out for a drinks with my friends, go to sleep at one or two and then get up at like six or seven and do it all again. And def- I don't wow. recommend b- that people do it. It wasn't <laughs> the healthiest way, but, it, you know, it, got, it, it also allowed me to have like fun experiences. And, um, and yeah, I, I guess like I kind of crammed it all in and that's when I was also doing scientific research and um, I won. That's when I started winning awards for female sexual medicine um, back then. So I guess even though I was young, I was 25 then, I really felt like this was my place and I was good at it and it was my calling. And I kind of knew if I had come that far overseas that I could do it and bring it back to Australia. So um, I guess that was the the next challenge. And I moved back to Australia when I was like end of uh, 26 years old. I got married to a, a friend of mine Um well, we were in love, like it wasn't just a friend, you know, it was an old friend. We fell in love. Um, we got married and uh, we like eloped in Japan. And then I decided to start my business at like the start of 2017. Um, and yeah, I guess back then, like no one knew who a sexologist was. I think everyone thought I was a sex worker, which is fine, but it yeah. just wasn't what I was doing for work. So I uh, I ended up like dying my hair um, black because I used to have blonde hair. I dyed it black and I used to wear really baggy clothes because I looked 25. Like I looked really young. Um, and I had to convince people that I was older. So if you actually look at my website, I look like 39 years old on my website (laughs) because I'm wearing like, I have like brown hair and it's kind of curled and it's definitely way before my lip fillers. And, you know, I'm wearing all these baggy clothes and I had to act a lot older because people didn't take me seriously at all it's crazy because Mm. like even myself just speaking to you for the last few minutes I feel like I want to like talk to you about all my sex things like and you've got a sexy voice too yeah and like I think that (laughs) it's it's, I think that as well just thinking about seeing a like a sexologist you'd be like oh I'm just not really sure but like now I've want to come and talk to you but I wanted to know you obviously speak to people and treat individuals of all genders and sexual orientations but what are the top five things that people actually come to you like what what is a valid reason to actually come to a sexologist such a great question because I think it is still quite unknown um so I have a really big team. I've got a team of 20 who work for me yeah. now and there's a mix of pelvic floor physios um, and sexologists. That. I need that too. <laughs> Mini fucked me right We'll do, don't worry. I tell, them, <laughs> I tell them that I need them when I'm there. Um, but I don't do it. <laughs> Not yet. Um, no, so basically I would say the top ones are sexual pain for vulva owners, vagina owners. So when it's um, stinging, burning like sensations or pain on the vulva, so the skin between your vaginal opening and your legs is what we call the vulva. Um, and you can get, yeah, uh, discomfort there. Um, 
things like uh, low desire, because, you know, we're all going to experience low desire at points in our lives. Um, but when it's chronic and it's distressing, of course, you know, you need to go see someone and make sure that everything's okay. Um, what else would I say? Difficulties with orgasm, especially for vulva owners, femmes, um, not knowing how or believing that they don't know how. Maybe they can with masturbation, but they can't with um, partnered play um, and that's really a lot more about education and then you know premature ejaculation erectile dysfunction um, couples work there's so many things to to think about and then things like um we deal a lot with fertility in my clinic and then oncology so cancers etc wow so people are going directly to you and not just going to a gp like if you if it's hurting to have sex and stuff like that they they just go to you how do they know that some well, I think now because of my social media, they know that. Yep. Okay. Um, back in the day, it was because I had like aggressive marketing techniques. I would just hijack <laughs> every Facebook group and say that that's wow. what I do. Like-minded bitches drinking wine. Oh, I don't yeah, know if I you guys that. remember that Facebook group. Yeah, is I it, would just used to it, post on there a lot. Um, <laughs> so, but good. people go to doctors, and uh, actually, you don't get. Uh, you have like a one-hour lecture on sexual medicine in medical degrees in Australia. So mm. a lot of doctors don't know how to mm. treat sexual concerns um and you know I, I think that's why my career is also really thriving which is it's hard because many people will go maybe 10 15 20 years with painful mm. sex or think that that's normal for them or different difficulties uh and then you know we can hopefully try and get them to a better place within a couple of months and they think wow like i wish i had known about this a lot earlier but yeah we see everyone any question that you have is fine that is so amazing yeah I'm really obsessed with you and your story and your love life because I mean for those that don't know your partner is the legend Dylan Alcott Paralympian tennis player who recently just got crowned Australian of the year the other day literally so congratulations to him and I'm sure He couldn't do it without the strong woman that is you by his side. So you two are just amazing. I'm obsessed with you both. Um, <laughs> Thanks. If you're comfortable, we'd love to touch on mm-hmm. like your sex life because I know you are really passionate about advocating for, um, you know, the stigma around people with a disability maybe not being able to fall in love or be sexually active. Yeah, sure. I can talk about that for sure. I think it's a really great topic um, and I think that, you know, one of the reasons I guess maybe Dylan and I are so vocal is because we just want to show people that it is absolutely um, normal and okay. I think there was, there has always been like a really big stigma that if you have a disability that you're not an erotic being. Mm. Um, but I, it's definitely not true at all, whether it's intellectual or disability, uh, sorry, um, physical or, you know, uh, maybe a hidden disability. Of course, everyone has a sexual foundation within them, an erotic foundation. It just depends on how you can work with it. So I guess, yeah, I guess for Dylan and I, it's very obvious what his disability is because he's in a wheelchair. Um, And uh, yeah, I was super nervous when we first uh, had a night together because I'd never been with someone with a disability before. Um, And he's never been with a sexologist before. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, he must have loved it. (laughs) He was a bit nervous. (laughs) He's like, what the fuck am I in for here? (laughs) I love it. Did you two have a few drinks before? Um, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. (laughs) But it wasn't wasn't crazy. Like we were very like present. Um, 
And I think, yeah, we were just both as nervous as each other. But like one thing is I was, you know, I'm very able to communicate and ask a lot of questions. I was like, do I want to do this? How do I do this? What do I do here? Obviously, his legs don't work. So you just maneuver in a different way and you, you, you know, you just have normal sex, but you've got to do it differently. So, you know, a lot of maybe me on top or different positions that are uh, able to keep him mobile, that kind of thing. But it's not as complex as people think. It's, you know, super pleasurable. And, you know, the man can do great things with his you know, hands <laughs> with all different parts of his body. And I think that that's something that, you know, we get asked a lot about and I'm always, I'm never going to go into full details, but I'm just going to say like, it's super possible. It's super fun. And it's the best sex I've ever had. So I think that people Fuck just yes. need to be a little bit more open-minded and use toys. You know, you've got lots, I've got, obviously I've got lots of toys, but use everything that you want because like sex is about fun and sex is about pleasure. It's not about a prescription model, what we see in movies, what we see in pornography. It yeah. doesn't have to be what we're taught in the media. It can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, and I, I feel like what I've learned from you already is it's a lot about the mind and the brain and how you can tune in and feel with your brain as mm. well, right? Is that, is that correct? Like it's, it's all Absolutely. about where your head's at. Yeah, it's about engaging with your senses. It's about being creative. Yeah. It's about imagination. And I feel like when we talk later a bit about desire, if you lose your creativity, if you lose your imagination in the bedroom, then you will have difficulties with things like desire as well. to go back quickly and when you started talking about toys and stuff like that and I really wanted to have a little chat about self-pleasure and for people that we were only speaking about it at like a, a girls thing yesterday that we had and some girl like it was just really interesting to see the dynamic at the table some girls like yes I've got lots of toys some girls like oh no I like literally don't own one toy or like someone's like this one does this and you know it, there's just so many mm. levels to it and I would love you to like speak a little bit about self-pleasure and and yeah how it's totally. not it's not like you know there's a, this sort of stigma around that as well i think everyone deserves pleasure and i think you're you are your best sexual partner right like if you know how to touch yourself if you know how to please yourself either with your hands or through rubbing against something or with a toy then you're able to teach someone else and invite them into that space in a in a great way the thing is we were just never taught that pleasure was for us especially as femmes we were really taught a lot about wanking and a lot about, really? yeah. you know, penis owners and they were allowed to do it whenever and it was like a great story. But we were never taught that we were allowed to do it. We didn't even know that our what we call the vagina is actually called the vulva. You know, it's the vagina is just the hole where a tampon or a finger or a penis goes. What you're looking at in a mirror or, you know, on your phone or something is your vulva. And it's all the skin that touches, uh, the genital skin that touches your underwear. So we actually weren't taught about anatomy. Mm. We weren't taught about the clitoris. The clitoris is, of course, the the pleasure point for anyone who has a vulva and it's got thousands of nerve endings in it designed purely for pleasure and we should be touching it you know we should be using it utilizing it we should be using toys on it trying different loops with it um and i think that it's it's come a long way you know we have great websites now like there's a website called omgs.com which teaches anyone with a vulva 
how to masturbate as well. And it's uh, run by scientists and they've got real femmes on there masturbating. So they show you how to touch themselves. And it's not weird. It's not like explicit. It's really normalized. And I love that. And then we have great websites like Comfortable in Your Skin, um, Vulva uh, Gallery, Labia Library, you know, actually showing what vulvas look like and different sizes and different types of labia. I didn't even know until my 20s that some people had innies and some people had outies because I never saw other people's vulvas, really. Mm. Um, And I I think that for us, like self-pleasure is becoming more normalized as we have more sex positive people on social media, even though people like myself and other sex experts are really censored and anyone who's really talking about pleasure or being naked or uh, females in general or femmes or trans or LGBTQIA plus, we're all censored. I think that the, the message is definitely coming out there. And I think it's also more normalized to have a sex toy kit as well, which, kit. you know, we really didn't, we really What's didn't talk kit? about back in the day. Favorites. Yep. I think anyone who's got a clitoris needs like a womanizer or like a yes. clit, clitoral suction toy. That's you know what we're the one about yesterday. Yeah, yeah bro. Mm. Yeah, we were, we were talking it's, about that one yesterday. I actually haven't got one of those, but one of the girls is like, "What is a suction?" And yeah. I, I know what a suction thing is, but mm. I don't have one. Yeah, I'll get but one I might, sent might to you, Chloe. Pulls <laughs> away all the I'll time. I'll get a box so coming your way. Perfect. Yes, yeah. So we want to talk about like long distance relationships and trying to keep the mm. spice alive because we've mm-hmm. we've both been in that, and um, it's. It's, it is hard when they're gone yeah. for so long. Sometimes I just forget, but then sometimes I'm like, oh, you know. Yeah. I literally sometimes forget <laughs> that sex is a thing. Like I yeah. forget no, about the less, And I know sex. this now. The less you have it, the less you actually want it, the less you desire it. And, look, in my case at the moment I'm fine. I, I'm liking that because I'm busy. I got mini. I don't want to be with anyone else. Um, and, yeah, like, I, yeah, I, I don't need it. Yeah, it's, it's really hard for me at the moment. But, um. Hmm. Basically, I mean, look, I'm like literally, I'm the epitome of virgin Your mother. Your hormones are probably on the I'm ground virgin as mother well Mary right now. Right now. I've literally pulled a kid out of thin air without having sex. <laughs> <laughs> but there is some science behind that. But, um, yeah. but no, can you talk about like, yeah, self, uh, sorry, yeah, long distance and spicing things up, you know, when, you, when your partner's not there? Yeah. Look, I think that um, – It's difficult. I think that it's difficult. I would be absolutely lying to say that it's super easy. I think that you need, especially with your schedules as well, and I know that um, both of you are working really hard and obviously with Fish, she's working really hard as well and got different schedules. Um, I think it is about prioritizing time and you need to build up to it. Like you need to actually put it in your diary and go, okay, I might not feel like it, but maybe I can get myself in the mood. Maybe that means you know, doing things like having a hot shower, putting on your lotions and potions. Maybe it's a fake tan. Think mm. about the things. If you're driving, if you if you feel like you're driving like a desire car, there will be things that put the accelerator on and maybe that's <laughs> different lingerie, maybe that's silk pajamas, maybe it's, you know, your hair done, whatever. Um, and there will be things that put the brakes on. Maybe that's a screaming baby. Maybe that's, <laughs> you know, fertility treatment. <laughs> maybe that's working so too true. hard. All of these things, you know, and I I think that it is like a a hard thing to navigate, but if you can, try and take a few things, whatever you can, try and take them off the break, right? So maybe that's making some more time for yourself. Maybe that's watching pornography or listening to um, erotic audio. 
Um, and actually, for both of you, I'll send you a link later because there is a great orgasmic meditation which oh. um, can get you in the mood. Is it your voice? It's not mine. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I'll make one. Um, yeah, you need to make one. <laughs> I've got a podcast called Sexy Stories. I actually read out people's erotic literature. So, yeah, there's plenty of people that are definitely enjoying the sound of my voice out there. Um, But this orgasmic. Yes, I will. (laughs) There's an orgasmic meditation by a guy called Madison James. He's like an English guy and he sounds like so sexy in your ear, but he guides you through how to touch yourself. It goes for an hour and they practice he practices edging which is where you bring up your arousal and you play with it so you bring it up and down up and down over the course of an hour and then he gives you permission and you can take yourself over the edge i know what i'm doing tonight 100 (laughs) percent. it changed my life as a as a sex expert i didn't even realize that that kind of pleasure existed it was incredible i'll let you know how i go but listening to something like that would be cool yeah you had one of your experiences because then you have that practice right you know what you're desiring you have a a journey in mind because you've already experienced it Mm -hmm. previously um and recently but there are also great sex toys that, um, for example, uh, and I can, I'll send you some, Chloe. They're like, <laughs> what are they? They're Bluetooth controlled. So you're holding it on yourself and Fisher, can, he can play it to one of his songs. Oh, <laughs> the oh, beat will go up and down. <laughs> so you'll be done quickly. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> very fast. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. He but he play. can control he the way that. it goes up and down. Mm. Definitely don't put it to losing it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to start off with that for sure. Yeah, Maybe you can build up, to, build up to lose it. <laughs> he would play tricks on you. It'd be so funny. Just... Uh, I actually, I actually think that when we were younger, I went to Sexpo in Sydney mm, years ago, same, like yeah. with our ex-boyfriends, I think, yeah. and we bought all those sort of things. But we were so. Mm. Immature and dumb and young yeah. back then, and like we like we joke about, it and it was like such a funny thing. Like it was never like, oh, a, yeah. And we were just oh. like, "Ew, what the hell is that? Oh, <laughs> let's buy one. Let's let's buy it as a joke." Huh? Like we had no idea. We were just so awkward and weird. And the quality was so bad. Oh, oh they were like yeah. horrendous. Yeah. All right. We actually used to when we were younger. We we're actually laughing about this before. Every time one of our girlfriends would turn like eighteenth, it was like a thing we'd go to like the. A dirty sex shop in Manly and get mm. like the cheapest dildo we could find. Yeah. And we'd, everyone would get a dildo for their 18th birthday. I don't know. Yeah. And like a really weird, sexy, like lacy G string or something. We and we'd it was all be hilarious. like, oh my God. <laughs> but now I reckon girls that are like 16, 17, 18 now would that just be a normal fucking present? Like that was like a joke for us. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. They have so many sex toys these days. Like, honestly, it's crazy. Um, but good yeah. on them. I mean, yeah, go for <laughs> what it. was the first sex toy that both of you got? Um, Do you remember? My one was actually that the one that vibrates and it's like a zzz, and then someone else does have the remote. I actually can't mm. remember. Like a little palm one, a tiny yeah, one. Yeah, Like a clitoral one, yeah. I haven't owned many like dildo dildos. Mine have been more yeah, like no. the vibrating little things. Same. I haven't but, ever had a dildo. But yeah, like a bullet. I actually went through this really crazy crystal like phase in my life and like my house is full of crystals and I was like pouring away. I was like, I bought this crystal dildo. And when Ellie yeah. came over once and Paul had come home, he's like, Ellie, look what she just bought. What a freak. And I was like, well, it actually <laughs> is shit because it is like a rock 
and I there was absolutely <laughs> zero pleasure from it. it like, I was like, this is like grinding my bones. I felt like my bones were going to break in my <laughs> vagina. Like shoving glass yeah, up there. Yeah, like, it was. It like really fully. was. They're actually really porous as well, so that means that they, they? they have bacteria. They're, Yuck, they're so mine's bacteria in the bin, man. Oh, yeah. that's so yeah. shit. That's Who, cruel. Yeah, yeah. In the trash. Yeah, no. Yeah, Crystal no, dildo that. in the trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah you need that silicon shit. Is that <laughs> right? The, the, the rubbery cool. ones. The good qual, yeah, absolutely. Qual. Silicon's the way to go. Yeah, yeah. and the suctiony for sure. So yeah, actually that's 100%. this is a massive question. I reckon so many people get this and go through this, is having a low libido. So mm. if you've got any hot tips or tricks on, yeah, how to overcome that. Yeah, so I think that. I think, first of all, we have to normalize the fact that we are going to have high sex drive sometimes and we're going to have low sex drive sometimes. And that's super normal, especially when you get into like a new relationship and, you know, you're in love and everything's amazing and you're going to get married. Like you have all those crazy indoor, like the honeymoon phase, oh, right? It's best. very passionate. Um, and you do crazy things like you'll travel the world for that person. You'll yeah. give up work, whatever. That's the time where you're going to be having very – uh, hormone-driven sex, and it's going to be, you know, a lot of fun, hopefully. Um, and then that will kind of wear off after like 12 to 18 months or so. Um, and, of course, there's a lot of people out there that are single and having great, you know, sexual lives as they're single as well. Uh, I think that if you go through that dip and you go through in, into a low-desire stage, you have to really think about a few different factors. I think biologically you need to think about, well, am I healthy right now? Like, do I feel good? Do I feel strong? Especially um, as someone who gets their period, do I, you know, is my iron high enough? Have I got all the right nutrients? Make sure you get a blood test and see that you're kind of up to scratch. You can go see a um, naturopath or acupuncture is also really amazing for low libido as well. Mm. Um, And then think about, okay, well, psychologically, how am I doing? Like if my anxiety is really high, like stress and sex don't really mix. Or if I'm a a little bit depressed at the moment, I'm not really going to feel like it that much. Mm. Um, And how's my relationship going? If you are in a relationship, how are you feeling interpersonally? Are you getting along really well? Do you tease each other still? Do you have fun? Or is there bickering? You know, are you arguing quite a bit? Because it's kind of a little bit hard when you're not having a great time with each other to desire each other. And then I think you've got to think about your sociocultural background. How did you learn about sex? Do you feel like sex is okay for you? Do you think self-pleasure is okay for you? Are there any kind of taboo narratives or shameful narratives that you maybe need to work on with someone? So all of these things interrelate with each other. And I think it's important to really take some time to think about, are you working at your best capacity here or are you just forcing yourself to try and get desire? Because I think the more that you force yourself, the harder it's going to be. I think you need to kind of take a few steps, like I said, about driving your desire car before and see, well, what can I put on the accelerator right now? Maybe it's exercising so I feel really good about myself. Maybe it's eating lighter, like things that don't make me feel tired at nighttime. Maybe it's about planning sex at a different time of the day so that, uh, you know, I've got the the juice to do it. You know, sometimes 10 p.m., 11 p.m., 1 a.m. in the morning is not the best time to have sex because you want to go to sleep, right? So Sunday morning sex or like early morning or lunchtime sex is also great. Um, And then I think – You know, if you think if you're in a relationship with someone, think about your sex life and go, 
is it that I don't desire sex in general or is it that I don't desire the sex that I'm having right now with this person? Because I think for us, especially as femmes, we can get bored with the type of sex that we're having, right? We have a sexual menu and we might enjoy it. You know, the first time that we have it, it's, you know, maybe it's oral sex and then you do penetration and then you, you know, finish with a vibrator and you go, wow, that's like, that's my menu and it works really well. And then you go, I'll try it again next time because I've got the formula and cool. You go do it again, the same menu. Then you try it again after that and you're like, okay, it's good, but I'm, it's very predictable right now. So I'm starting to get a little bit yeah. bored, but people start to slot into these menus and it's kind of like going out and us having the same meal every single time we caught up as girlfriends, we go get spaghetti bolognese and like garlic bread and a maggi or something yeah. cool for the first two, maybe yeah. three times afterwards. We don't want to, we don't want to keep doing that anymore because you, you lose that excitement. You lose the journey, the the story behind it, the desire for it. Yeah. So I think switching it up and having variety is super important. And that means sometimes expanding what your comfort zone may be, you know, maybe that's saying I will try something a little bit different or I'm going to try a different lubricant or you're going to, maybe it's, we're only having entree today. So you're just going to go down on me for like an hour (laughs) and that's going to be sex. Sex doesn't have to mean penetration. It doesn't have to mean orgasm as well, because if it does mean that we're, you know, missing out on a whole part of the LGBTQIA plus community and people with different abilities and people with things like erectile dysfunction and painful sex. Mm. We make sex what we want it, but we also have to you know, work on it. We have to prioritize it. It doesn't just happen spontaneously. It happens with a response to something like watching porn, like listening to erotica, like, you know, preparing for it and having a hot bath and touching yourself before you have partnered sex. So it sounds a bit more complex, but it is about making an effort with it. And hopefully that will help a little bit more. Otherwise, seeing a sexologist, I mean, that's what we're here for, to be detectives into your sex life and help you reach a place where you feel a little bit more satisfied with it. Wow. So interesting. Wow. I want to just speak to you for hours. About, I've got so Same. many questions that are, that are just coming into my head, but that can be for another <laughs> time. Um, but I know that you've, we've kind of like brushed on quite a few times about painful sex, and I know that it's quite an unspoken topic, and I know that a lot of women would feel – a little bit scared or embarrassed to go and see a doctor about that. And I, you know, I mean, I've even had that sometimes every now and then I feel like it's like hitting something and I'm like, mm-hmm. is it because your your cervix is in different positions in different, cause I say to Paul, I'm like, ah, oh, that wasn't really, mm-hmm. he's like, why? Like, well, it shouldn't hurt. Like, and I'm like, well, it doesn't hurt really ever, but sometimes, mm-hmm. and I wonder, is it because it's at different times of the month that it's like, I'm sure it's my cervix, like mm. when it, you know, how your cervix goes up and down depending on the different, like the, the mm. time in your cycle. It, like, can you talk a little bit more about painful sex and, and what and how and why that, that actually happens? Sure. So I think what you're describing is like a deeper pain. It's up kind of yeah. inside you, more like where you would get menstrual cramps yep. right there. Yeah. So that's called, we call, we call any pain down there dyspareunia. And what you've got is, 
sometimes is called deep dyspareunia. So it feels like it's hitting the back wall. You're like, oh, yeah. my vagina stops there. Damn. Um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn it. Deeper. Stretch a little bit more. <laughs> but that's super normal. And it might be your cervix or it might be your pelvic floor. So it might mean, so the pelvic floor is all the muscles kind of in that area where you're getting your cramps and then surrounding your vagina as well. Mm. And sometimes that can get a little bit tense and it depends on what's going on in your life. depends on how you're feeling. depends if you're stressed, if you're not stressed. Sometimes some pelvic floor physio can relax those muscles a little bit more and train, teach you how to train them to relax a little bit more. Um, or it could just be time of the month and then you just, you don't do those positions that are co- going to cause pain or you can get um, what we call an O-nut, which is like a little donut, which, which would fit around the end of the penis so it doesn't go for oh. all the way in. So it's not going to hit the back wall, but you're still going to have penetration and have fun. Wow. Yeah, so I'll send you some links after this. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, yeah, I'll send you a few of those as well. <laughs> yeah, and you're getting a full <laughs> goodie box. Oh my god, I love it! That's um, super interesting. Yeah, but there's also different types of pain. Yeah. Uh, like this, uh, and I'm sorry for talking over you, but I think it's um, we also need to talk about pain with penetration as well. So that's when something's going inside you, whether it be a finger, a tampon, a, a vibrator, or a penis, and it feels like burning stinging, like a tightness, maybe like razor blade-like sensations for some people. Mm. This is called vaginismus. It sounds like Christmas of the vagina, <laughs> Yeah, <but> it's not. <laughs> not that fun. It's not. It's like That's Halloween. <laughs> Halloween of the vagina. It's a Halloween of the fun, vagina. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's, again, your pelvic floor muscles being really tight. Some people will have that from the first time that they try to put in a tampon or have sex. Um, Or some people will get it later in life, maybe after having, you know, months or years of having pleasurable sex, something will happen. Maybe it's childbirth. Maybe it's an experience. Maybe you've tried it once and it was painful and then you anticipate that it's going to be painful next time. It's really the way that the brain is anticipating pain and you're tightening up your pelvic floor. Kind of like if I uh, saw you both and I was like, oh, hey, Chloe, and I just threw a pen at your eye, your eye would blink because it was anticipating pain. Your vagina's doing the same because it's anticipating, it's blinking because um, it's anticipating pain. And then there's pain on the vulva, which is, again, the skin that's touching your underwear, and that can happen maybe all the time there's some burning there. It is, again, related to pelvic floor, but a few other things, maybe some really? skin pelvic conditions. Really, pelvic floor, sorry to like, yeah. speak of you. How is that related yeah. to your pelvic floor when it's not near your pelvic, mm. pelvic floor? Well, actually, the pelvic floor has uh, is connected to the nerve endings that go out to the skin as well. So if your pelvic floor is really tense, it might be stimulating those nerve endings in a challenging way and you might need things like numbing cream down there wow. or you might need to learn how to relax it or desensitize it with your fingers or with, you know, a, a dilator, for example, which is kind of like a, a dildo, but it's used for um, health conditions. Um And I I think that it is quite complex. So if it's not fully understood, that's because these conditions are not also fully understood as well. There's a lot more research that needs to go into them. Um, But it's something that we specialize in in my clinic, and I would say that we're very successful at it. It's it's a journey, but we have a team of physios and sexologists, so we can all work together. Um, And it's a little bit different. A lot of doctors will, especially really old school doctors, will be like, 
you're fine. Just have a glass of wine before you have sex and relax and you'll be all right. It doesn't work like that. You know, it actually does need some TLC, some care and attention. And I think if you are suffering with pain, you deserve to have people supporting you and helping you along that journey. And also, I remember when we were younger, that was like a big thing when it's quite frequent for people to get UTIs after sex. And like I, I used to get them when I was younger, but not, I mean, I, I never really related them to sex. But why are, why are women getting UTIs after sex? Is it because my mum used to always say, dirty dick? And I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you've got to shower like, after <laughs> and you've got to you pee after, right? And you've got to shower after. After every my, time you have sex. Well, at least pee. Mm. Yeah? You can pee. But it's also like um, if you think about it, uh, UTIs actually are, are involved with like the kidneys and the urinary tract mainly. So um, maybe it's dirty dick. Maybe your partner needs to put some <laughs> of the candida cream on their penis so that Stop. you're making sure that they don't have any of the, the um, bacteria that's going to impact you yeah. peeing after sex is important you don't have to shower after sex you know it's it's not um really like that but if you think about it our vaginal opening is very close to our anal opening as well so it's easier for the bacteria and especially in pregnancy um because you're you know dropping down quite a bit as well it's easy for the bacteria to come up towards the vaginal area um so some people are just really prone to UTIs, so taking an antibiotic straight after sex will help you not get a UTI. Um, and then high-dose vitamin C is really important, so definitely like a 1,000 milligrams a day. Um, taking cranberry tablets is great. And then there's a few um, over-the-counter things. You know, you can, of course, get your antibiotics over the counter but um you can get a demonose which is one tablet that might work and then there's another one and it's totally slipped my mind um even though i've got bottles of it around the clinic anyway <laughs> talk to your pharmacist about it because there are different ways to help stop the bacteria from sticking to your urinary tract and helping you flush it out so a lot of water and uh hopefully acidic water from your vitamin c flushing out that bacteria so you don't get as prone to UTIs, but it is a challenging one. Such I don't have the, the answer for everyone. I've had one before, yeah, but it's definitely a thing that some people are prone to, isn't it? You just, yeah. Mm. But um, just, and just before, talk to your doctor, Chloe. You can yeah. get one for every single oh, time. Yeah. You yeah, I don't get, on, I don't actually get them anymore. I used to get them when um, I was in high school, like much younger, not heaps, mm. but I just remember they were like life or death. I was like, I think I'm, I'm mm. going to die. <laughs> this is yeah, so I've painful. Heard it. It's really painful. Man. I was talking to Ellie last night, who I know you know from Comfortable in My Skin. She's amazing. And she was like, she gets so, so, so many questions. So just before we wrap up, I wanted to ask just one more um, about advice for people with herpes or HIV or other STDs. Um, in sexual yeah. relationships and that because she says she's just inundated with people with, you know, STDs who want to talk about their body and sex. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, Ellie's doing an excellent job. I actually met Ellie in Bali. When uh, when you were getting you. married, I was there with Dylan and your hen's yes. party was going on. <laughs> oh, your, um, yeah, the yeah. days before your wedding. And uh, we spoke about it then and I didn't realise, I guess, how many men messages or how much of her work was taken up with this topic i think that we are we just need to normalize the fact that stis it's kind of like getting coronavirus it's an infection <laughs> you don't know whether you're going to get it or not um the only way to prevent it is by using condoms um and even then that you know that's around 99 percent um but 
using dental dams as well, which we don't really sell in Australia. But if you cut open a condom, you can use that latex over your vulva. But you know what? There are going to be times where you cannot use condoms or latex over your vulva when you're having sex. Mm. Some people get an STI from the first time that they have sex with anyone. Um, so we cannot label anyone with an STI or herpes or HIV or uh, as wrong or problematic or dirty and I think those are the messages that we grew up learning that it's not okay but it's absolutely okay to have an STI it's super normal super common and I think we just need to highlight the fact that it's not the end of the world you're still going to have a fun pleasurable sex life you're still going to be able to find someone um, you know, who wants to have sex with you, who wants to love you, be in long-term relationships with you. And I know so many people personally and professionally who have STIs that are ongoing and who have herpes and their lives are great. I think that we just need to be a little bit more outspoken with the topic. Yeah. Um, and there are some great resources out there as well, which I can send through. But talking about it on podcasts like this, will normalize it a lot more like with sex in general the more we talk about it the more we're going to feel comfortable talking yeah. about it and all about communicating with your partner I guess like really open communication about what you've got mm. and just saying this is you know uh like with uh, herpes, for example, you might be going through a really controlled period. You might not be having an outbreak. So you'll have times where it's suppressed and you take medication a lot of the time and it's, you know, it's not dangerous. You're not going to pass it on to your sexual partner. Um, and there will be times, especially if you're run down, where maybe you will get a flare up and that's when it is uh, more susceptible to be passed from one sexual partner to another. Um, but that's when you, you know, maybe you don't have... Uh, penetrative sex or maybe you're not rubbing genitals on each other or not going near the genitals that have herpes, um, having outer course, keeping your undies on, still having fun, but uh, just outer avoiding, course. you know, passing it from one to the other. Kind of like wearing masks. So interesting. Wow. I never really thought of that. Outer course. Outer course. We love Face that. Mask. Um, you've also written a book. Congratulations, by the way, The Sex Ed You Never Had. That's so cool. Yeah, both authors. Thank you. I don't know if I'm an author, but yeah. you definitely are. You're an author. You've got a book out right now. It's so exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, it's actually really weird to be like, I'm an author. I don't know. You are. But, but yeah, you I've got to get your book. You're a best-selling author by now as well. Oh, no, you'd be a best-selling author. Oh, I actually can't wait to read your book. I feel like, mm -hmm. and a lot of our listeners as well, you guys definitely need to get your hands on. Do you want to actually quickly explain it before we go? Where where we where they yeah. can buy your book, where people can actually find you, where what's your clinic called, um, your social mm. media, and yeah, give Everything. us a little bit of a rundown. Sure. Thank you. Um, so the sex ed you never had. I think you can buy it kind of anywhere. I don't really know. I think it's like online it. um, or in bookstores. Yeah, um, and it is sex ed for adults. You know, it's all the things that we didn't get to learn in school, especially if you were like me and you went to. Um, a strict school that didn't have any sex education at all. Uh, I think that it's all the things that we wish we had known. Um, and I'm really proud of it because it's also, it's not gender specific, you know, it's, it's really open. We talk a lot about, um, you know, things like intersex, things like hormones, things about menstrual cycle, um, and then how to have good sex and how to date. So I, I'm really proud of it. I think it's a fun book. Um, and then in terms of the work that I do, you can always just Google my name and you can find my clinic on there or it's the Australian Institute of Sexology and Sexual Medicine and um, my Instagram is Chantelle underscore Otten underscore sexologist. 
Oh. You are such a legend. Thank you so much for just chatting to us. I that think epic. that was almost one of my favourite chats we've Me had. Too. That was so interesting. We might have to have a part two one oh, day no. because there's so many more questions and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to have a million more questions to ask you. But We didn't even dive too deep. No, but we ran out of time for now. But, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We're, we're so excited. We're, like, I can't wipe the smile off my Same. face for some reason. Um, I just, I, I just want to ask so many more questions. <laughs> oh. I feel like I talked your ears off. No, so you are like, amazing. Verbal. Thank <laughs> you so much. We love you so much, Hotel.